because you're selling something that's full of creativity, your proposal can be a work of art too. Like really think about how you can represent your creativity and your awesomeness in this document. Because you want your reader to be excited. You want them to feel your energy and also build a personal connection with you. Being a circus boss is all about being confident on and off stage. It's about you living more of those powerful moments when time stands still and your audience is captivated and connected and everything feels right in the world. Welcome to the Circus Boss Podcast. This is the space where we talk about all things business and marketing related to circus so you can make those big dreams happen. We're your co-hosts, Brock and Eileen, and we help circus performers and producers manage your business with ease so you can spend more time on the flying trapeze. So if you're a circus boss that's ready for more, hit subscribe and join us every week. Your audience awaits. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to episode 20 of the Circus Boss Podcast. It's weird to think we're at episode 20. In some ways, I feel like we started this podcast yesterday, and in other ways, it feels like I've been doing it forever. But 27 is my lucky number, so I'm going to have to think up something fun to do for episode 27. Uh, If you've been following along, we have just moved to Gainesville, Florida, and we are barely getting settled in. I wouldn't even use that word settled yet. It takes me forever to unpack. I don't know. I feel like I have to know a house and know what activities I want to do where before I can get it all set up. So I kind of have to live in the house before I can unpack everything. And that's a really awkward time period because everything's in bins and boxes still. So anyways, that's kind of our reality right now in Florida. But I just wanted to offer to any of you that live in Florida, hit us up. We'd love to connect. I know Gainesville is in the north and Florida is a big state, but we have dear friends down in South Florida and family in Central Florida. So we plan on traveling around Florida quite a bit. So hit us up if you are in Florida. If you want to come to Florida and maybe teach a workshop or something, we'd love to talk to you. And also... I'm just going to test the waters with this because Brock and I have been talking about something that we want to offer in the future with Circus Boss. But let us know. Hit us up on the socials over at uh, Circus Boss Official on the Insta. If you would be interested in coming to Florida in the winter (laughs) when it's cold everywhere else and doing an in-person some type of business strategy retreat with Circus Boss. Obviously, there's no form or idea there yet of exactly what it would include, but I just want to test the waters and see who would be interested in something like that. With all of that, let's dive into today's episode. So we are talking about what makes a winning proposal. We'll be focused on pitching entertainment at events, aka gig work with this episode, But basically, if you've ever had a client ask you, what's your pricing? Using a proposal is how we like to respond to that question. You can apply some of these concepts to a price sheet. That's going to be a more static document, but it should have a lot of the same elements that I'm going to talk about today. Now, a proposal is usually something that you're going to create for each inquiry. 
It's a custom experience that you are going to propose to your client when they reach out to you for an event. Now, if you're not doing event work, there's still a ton of value here, as always. Some of these are universal concepts for proposing your work. I do get into some serious nitty gritty of things that are unique to booking entertainment or proposing entertainment, I should say. But we're talking about proposing and pitching and getting somebody excited about what you do so they can hire you or hand over the money. (laughs) So to start with, I just wanted to share how I got into proposal writing. When I first started Animate Objects, we were more of a performing arts company and I self-produced shows. I rented theaters. I produced an aerial arts festival. We applied for a lot of grants and applied for commissions. So I had to do a lot of applications at the start of my company. And that's actually really where I learned the art of writing a proposal. A lot of the elements are the same. So in a grant application, you have to have a strong project description. That's where you're going to paint a picture of what you're going to create and get people excited about it. You haven't created this thing yet, but you have to find the words and the visuals and a way to help people understand it to the point that they want to buy in and support you in developing this vision. And you have to include enough details about the project that show that you've done your research and you actually understand how to make this happen. But then you also have to explain how it benefits others, especially with grant work, because we're talking about public money. So you need to explain the impact. And if you've listened to me for a while, you know I talk a lot about the benefit to the client that you have to explain this. It's the same in grant writing. You have to explain how your work will benefit others. Then in a grant, you have to have a strong bio, you have to have work samples, and all of this shows why you are qualified to win this money and prove that you're actually capable of developing this project that you say that you're going to do. And then you're going to show who the key players are in the project and you're going to have to have a budget and a timeline and enough details about the project. The details help the reader enter the world that you're about to build, but it also shows that you are knowledgeable and experienced in what you're talking about and that you do know how to actually bring it to fruition. So it wasn't until after I switched over and was doing more proposal writing and less grant writing that I realized wait, when I was doing grant writing, I was actually doing the same concept of what I'm doing in proposal writing. So if any of you do grant writing, bring that mindset into your proposal writing. And if you don't do either yet, then you can just absorb all of the information I'm sharing today. Now in the event world, I mentioned before, a lot of times they're not actually asking for a proposal. They may use the word quote. They may just say, what do you do? What do you offer? Let us know what the options are. Send over your pricing. They're rarely going to say, can you prepare a proposal for me? (laughs) So I just wanted to let you know that mindset. The proposal is the answer to whatever question they ask when they're interested in learning more. Now, sometimes somebody won't have a specific event and they want to just learn more about you that's going to be a different approach. And maybe I can address that someday. So I'm specifically talking about when somebody has an event date coming up and they're interested in hiring you. The way they start that inquiry process 
they may say, oh, yeah, I have a wedding. I'd love to hire you. What do you do? Or we want to make sure we can hire you and it fits in the budget. How much does it cost? Those are kind of the questions you may get. Well, this is where I like to respond with a proposal because this is your chance to sell yourself through a captivating proposal. I want you to think about a proposal as a sales document. And quite honestly, it's actually a marketing and a sales document all in one, but the goal is to persuade the reader to hire you. And because you're selling something that's full of creativity, your proposal can be a work of art too. Like really think about how you can represent your creativity and your awesomeness in this document. Because you want your reader to be excited. You want them to feel your energy and also build a personal connection with you. So let's start with what a proposal is not in my book. So I'm not talking about an invoice. I'm not talking about just a text only document that just lists your pricing that just says Ariel act this much, sword swallowing act this much. Like even when I say price sheet, I'm talking about something more thorough than that. And again, they may only be asking for your pricing, but we're going to give them something that's a little bit more robust. Also for me, a proposal is not an email. It's not just you describing in an email what you do or what you could do for them. And then maybe you send them links to photos on your Instagram or videos on YouTube. So I'm not talking about an email as a proposal. What I'm talking about is one document with all of your ideas and details and pricing in one place. Now, this is something that you can send to them via email. I'm not asking you to mail it hard copy. I'm not that old school. <laughs> so you can send it via email or you can send it via software. You know, I like software. But the reason that I really want you to think about putting all of your details into one sweet little package called a proposal is because I want to take you into the mindset of somebody who's planning an event. So they're dealing with so many details. Okay, they're dealing with the venue or the theater or wherever they're producing the event. And then they have multiple vendors. You are just one vendor that they are coordinating. And so if they need to pitch your ideas or present your ideas to their client or maybe a board or a committee, you don't want them to have to go look through every single email conversation that they've had with you to get all of the details. Because quite frankly, it's all gonna get lost. And when somebody is reading through their email, they may not be in the mindset of working on the event. The email is more like communication, let's talk about dates, let's talk about when we're gonna meet up, let's get the ball rolling, right? Like maybe starting a project. But to actually say, this is what I can do for your event, that needs to be in one solid document because the details will get lost in the email. And also they may be taking this proposal with a whole binder full of proposals from all the other vendors to a meeting. And they might want to be able to show photos to their client or to their committee or to their board of directors. A lot of times the proposal is like putting you in a little package and getting to speak for yourself to another group of people that you will never have contact with. So if you only say all these cool, awesome things in this email with this one person you're talking with, 
you don't know if those awesome things that you've said in that email are actually going to make it to the client or the group that is actually deciding on the event. So your proposal is all of that in one place. So that's why I really like to encourage people get it all in one document. And then in that document, I want you to remember that words alone cannot paint a picture. And what you're doing is not thought-based. There is a lot of thinking behind it, but you're selling an experience. And so the proposal needs to be an experience. So get photos in there, get colors in there, bring your branding in there, bring your logo in there, bring energetic words, bring testimony. We'll talk in a minute about all the things that bring in there, but really think of this as a multimedia document. But you do want to make sure it's print friendly. As I mentioned, people will print it out and bring it to meetings all the time. <laughs> so, and don't be worried if it's a lot of pages. Sometimes our proposals could have been like 12 pages. We try to keep them shorter, but sometimes for the bigger events, they were longer. And this proposal, once decisions are made, can be trimmed down and this becomes your contract. So you're actually laying the foundation for your contract in your proposal. And another thing about this concept of a proposal is sometimes people will come to you and they don't know what they want. They don't have clear ideas. So your proposal is almost like you're handing them a storybook and you're saying like, okay, here are some ideas, right? Get them excited about what you can help them with at their event. So you can focus on pitching what you really want to be doing in those cases. There's this period where sometimes it feels like, ah, I don't know what to propose. I don't have enough information. I need to get such and such and such and such from my client before I can make a proposal. But I really learned over the years that if I could just distill it down to say, what are the basics that I need to know? And then if I don't know these other things, then I'm going to find a way to say, here's example one, two, and three, right? Just the goal is if you can get something to a client as quickly as possible, I like to say in 24 hours to three days tops, because this is going to introduce them to who you are and what you can do for them. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times my creative process is almost editing in a way. Obviously with choreography, I can start from the beginning, but I might start with, well, what skills are we working with and start to see the skills and then craft and shape them in a specific way. I loved creating entertainment with somebody else's theme because it gave me a starting point. There's something that I've realized about myself over the years, like I just need a rough draft of something and then I can start to sculpt and shape it and make it something. If I start with nothing, it's a little bit paralyzing. It's harder for me. So I love setting parameters. I love creating a world, defining a world. But anyways, the reason I'm bringing this up is sometimes a client or an event planner may be in this state of, I don't know anything. Because maybe their client doesn't know anything yet and they're in this blank canvas standstill. And so if you can come in with some really cool ideas at that point, then they might base their whole party off of your theme. And oh, look, you've got the entertainment lined up that's perfect for that theme. That situation actually happened to us a lot. So there's a quote that I like to share. I think it's been in a couple of our workshops and I'm pretty sure it's coming out on social media sometime this week, but are you an order taker or a creator? And the reason that I love this quote is because I think in the early stages of running my company, I didn't understand that I could be a creator. 
I thought when somebody asked me for entertainment A, B, and C, that then I had to propose and just give them the pricing for entertainment A, B, and C. But it took me a while to understand that I actually could leverage my expertise and my creativity to propose even better solutions than what they asked me for. So I can't remember if you've heard me talk about that before, but I really love to get you in that mindset of, yes, you're going to listen to your clients and you're going to give them what they ask for, but you can also expand on their ideas or bring your own ideas to the table. If you feel like you don't have a budget from your client yet or a theme or even what they're interested in, then you just feel like, I don't know enough to make a proposal. Well, that moment right there can be really make or break. And I really want to encourage you if you ever feel like I can't make a proposal because blank, if you're waiting for some type of information, I really want to encourage you in that moment to be like, well, what can I come up with, right? Is there something I can do that would be a productive use of my time to just start to give this person a rough idea as a starting place? So I hope I've explained that moment well enough for you to get through that speed bump if you come up to it at some point. I imagine you will. Now, there's a whole other part of the process before you even sit down to write a proposal where you're getting information from your clients. We do have a whole workshop all about the sales process, and that's just one of those steps. It's called Win the Work. I'll put it in the links below. I'm sure you've probably heard me mention it before, but it takes you through this inquiry process so that you do have enough information before you sit down to write a proposal. But sometimes you're dealing with an event planner and they don't have anything from their client either. They're pitching. So I just wanted to paint the scene there so you can understand that the more that you can just learn to start to get these ideas together before you have all the information, you're going to stand out and you're going to show that you're actually really helpful and you're going to establish that you are a creator. You're not just an order taker. So this proposal, how do you create it? You can create it in something simple like a Word document or a Google document. Make sure that you get to align your photos in a really clear, nice, pleasing to the eye kind of way. If you do a Word doc or a Google doc, make sure you save it as a PDF before you send it to a client so it is a fixed document. You don't want them adjusting it or changing it on the fly. <laughs> you can also do it in PowerPoint. I think I'm walking through the progression of how I did my proposal. So I think I'm pretty sure I started out doing Word docs. Then I moved into PowerPoints. Same thing with a PowerPoint. Make sure you save it as a PDF. And with a PowerPoint, it's been so long since I've done this. I don't remember the steps, but make sure it's not too large of a file size when you do save it. So I can't remember if it does that automatically if you save it as a PDF or if you need to compress the file a bit, but just make sure you don't want it to get stuck in an email if you're sending an email with too large of a file size. Then you can move into different software options. So you could do a proposal template in Canva. For those of you that use Canva, I talk about that a lot too, and then it's more design friendly. Now, none of those first three are going to have any kind of computation features like adding up pricing tables for you. So that's where maybe 
at some point you're going to want to move into software. We moved into software early on. Also using software for your proposals helps you customize them faster. You start with a template, you customize it for a client and I just want to help you be prepared for this, but part of the proposal process is you're most likely going to have to do revisions and sometimes a lot of revisions. And this is the nature of the game. I just want to be clear here. It's not anyone disrespecting you or asking you to do too much work for free by doing revisions of your proposal because here's how it works. Let's say you're working with an event planner. You send them your proposal they go to a meeting with a client and then the client comes back with, okay, I like that. I like that. I don't like that. Oh, wait, I don't understand that. Can you explain that to me? Can you get a better idea? Maybe get a video or photo or a better description. I don't understand what that would be like, right? So that's going to be a revision. Then you bring that back. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like all of this stuff. But now we've gotten the quote from catering and it actually went up because the I don't know, the Chilean sea bass that we want to have because of supply chain issues, the pricing has gone up. I don't know, I'm making that up. But things happen all the time where the budget changes. So then they need to be like, okay, shoot, we can't afford all of this entertainment anymore. Let's change it. Let's cut this and this. Okay, cool. So then they're going to ask you for another revision. And then something happens where they need to change venues or they need to change the floor plan. So the original entertainment they thought of wouldn't work because they need to put you in a different location and there's no longer an aerial point. So then they might ask you for another revision and say, okay, we can't do the aerial point anymore. So we need to cut the aerial act. What else can you do? So that process right there is normal. And I went through it probably with over 50% of our events. So the reason I'm sharing this is if you know that that's the reality of how this works, A, you're not going to be upset when someone asks you for a revision multiple times. And B, you can understand that to be a helpful entertainment partner, that if you have templates, if you have software, if you have whatever your process is, that allows you to make revisions quickly, it's going to make you look more favorable for your clients because you can respond quicker and it's going to be less headaches for you. So our goal used to be, I think when I made a proposal, if it was a larger proposal, I would give myself a two hour time limit and say, okay, I'm going to get this done in two hours or less. And then revisions, it was 30 minutes or less. I used to run timers. (laughs) We tracked time a lot because... As artists, we can want to make everything exquisite and perfect and amazing. And I'm not asking you to sacrifice the quality of any of your work, but I always want to encourage you to make sure that you're also being profitable so we can have you doing this for years. If you took the Circus Freelancer Gig Pay Guide, there's billable hours and there's non-billable hours. Okay, billable hour means that this is an hour of time that goes into something that was already paid for and contracted, right? So technically speaking, billable and non-billable means that you're billing the client for your hours afterwards. But with the entertainment, you need to have a good grasp of how many hours go into something beforehand and include that in your price. So you're getting compensated for your time. So the best way to do that, if you don't know yet, is to start tracking your time. Start timing everything you do and keep it all in spreadsheets or use a use an app to help you with time tracking. Anyways, we, and especially when you have a team member, we had time tracking for all of our staff that worked in the office so we knew how long it took to do things because that helps you accurately quote what you're doing. But I'm a little off topic now. 
in terms of the proposal, the reason I shared those goals is because the proposal work really, technically speaking, is part of your non-billable hours. Because any work that you do on a proposal is not guaranteed until they hire you. Now, there is a model that we moved into when we did full event production. I'm talking event design being the event planner, not just the entertainment. In that model, we did focus on winning the work based on our past examples. And once they hired us, that's when we would make the proposal for the event because our creative process was part of what they were paying for. I want to be really honest and say, even as an event planner, that is not the standard. That is not norm. I wish it was. We should be getting paid for our creative ideas, but it's not the norm. It's not the reality, especially if you're booking entertainment. So as much as I want to say that you can get paid for your creative ideas in a proposal, it's unfortunately not the way the industry works right now. Maybe it's someday it will. I'm not sure. So the dark side of that is there is a chance there are horrible people out there with no creativity themselves that may ask you for a proposal and you may put your most awesome ideas into that proposal and then they may try to take those ideas and hire someone else to do it for cheaper. Now I feel like those are like urban legends. I've never actually met anyone that's done that or known anyone personally that that has happened to, but I've heard people express that concern. Again, I've never seen an exact example of it. And at some point, we just decided that we had to be okay with the possible chance that that could happen. But we felt it was more important to put our best ideas into our proposal because that really gave our clients an understanding of who we were and one of our superpowers was our creativity. So we've always showcased that in our proposals. And the last thing I want to say about this time, like how long it takes you to make a proposal or how long it takes you to make a revision is I, I really want you to think of the, the time. I don't want to stress you out, but really, again, think about that from the first inquiry and every revision request to really try to get that proposal out in 24 hours to three days. Now you're always going to email them back immediately and say, thank you so much for the inquiry. We're working on your proposal and give them an expected date. Now, sometimes they may need it in less than three days. In fact, a lot of times they may want it in less than three days and it's up to you to find how to communicate what's realistic or make it happen. That's how you choose to run your business. We didn't always bend over backwards for every single request. Sometimes we were frankly too busy. But the more amenable you can be, the faster response time that you can have, it will be in your favor. So that's where templates and software and all of that helps you. But the other part of this is I pay attention when I'm shopping. I, I'm all about client service. And I always notice if I haven't spent money with somebody yet, and I mean, even th this could be like a mechanic <laughs> taking who I'm going to take my car to, or we went through this when we were just looking for a home to rent in Gainesville. If somebody is not responsive before I've spent my money with them, then to me, that's a clue of they're going to be less responsive once I have paid them. I've just found time and time again that people will put on their best client service face and be as amenable and accommodating as possible to get you to spend the money. And unfortunately, sometimes once you've spent the money, they're less accommodating. 
I don't want you to be that way for your clients. I don't think you will be. However, I think that other people might have that same mindset of like, let's see how attentive they are in the first stages. And this is something also that I got backwards in the beginning because I was like, oh, when somebody spends money on me, I'm going to show up. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to over deliver. I'm going to give them everything. But there's that time period before they hire you where they're testing the waters. They're getting to know, well, who is this person and what's it going to be like working with them? So that's another way that getting those proposals or revisions out as quickly as possible can show them how awesome you're going to be to work with. So just something to think about there. And so I really want to make this proposal writing process easy on you so it's not taking all of your time. So that was a lot of background, but I just had to share it all because it's all an ecosystem. You can have the most amazing proposal, but if it took you two weeks to prepare it, or if it's all text-based, it's all numbers and words, then it's probably not going to help you land the job. So anyways, what makes a winning proposal? I really want you to start with the end in mind. So this is before you start your proposal, doing the best research that you can through questions and your own research to always understand your client's needs, goals, and their tastes. Understand what they like because you don't want to make this proposal and you send it to them and you find out that you do everything in this pastel blue, I don't know, and they hate blue. So now you've created something that they don't like and you didn't even know it. So understanding their needs and goals for the event is also part of understanding what to propose for them. Then I want you to think about using your proposal as a way to establish credibility and show why you're the one for the job. Don't assume that because they've asked for your pricing that they already know that you're the right one or they know your credibility, or they know your standing, or they know what you've done, assume they know nothing. Now, you know, I like you to get all these things done in your marketing, so it makes the selection process easier for them, but just pretend that they don't know you, because you might know this person who you're emailing back and forth with. They might know you. They might follow you on social, and so you think, oh yeah, they already know all the awards that we win, and they already know that we're the top entertainment in our area, but they may be taking that proposal to a group of people that don't know you. And if you leave these important supporting elements out of your proposal, these people will never get to know how awesome you are. So your proposal is more than what you're proposing. It's also proposing you as the right fit for this job. You can also think of it as auditioning. You are essentially auditioning for every job that you send a proposal for. And you want to stand out. This is your chance to knock their socks off. So that's all in the introduction part of your proposal. So I'm going to talk about four elements that you want to have in your proposal. So this is the introduction is where you start with the end in mind and you establish credibility and show why you're the one for the job. Then we move into the meat of your proposal. Or maybe if you're a vegetarian, this will be the earth. (laughs) Not that you eat earth, but... (laughs) The fortification, the soil, the rich soil of your 
proposal. So this is your description of services. So this is where you pitch your ideas and you're painting a picture of the world you will create. I talked about you're selling something creative, your proposal should be creative, bring photos, bring creative words, use storytelling. A lot of times we had character names and backstory for our characters, even our roving characters, but especially for a lot of our acts. And we would bring that storytelling into the proposal. And then that would also be material for our MC when they had to announce the act or introduce a character at an event. That was a very winning strategy that we used that was also fun for us. And then it helps people with selection too. They'll be like, oh, I want Daisy and Maisie. That, those were our Charleston sisters. We had a Charleston duo, Daisy and Maisie. Anyways, <laughs> but bring your creativity into pitching your ideas. It doesn't have to be one hula hoop artist. Get creative with it. But then you also want to get clear with scope. And scope is like explaining what's included with your services. So you're going to talk about the creative aspects of it. It includes choreography and costuming and makeup. It includes rehearsals. If you bring any staff to support, like aerial support staff or fire safeties, you really want to not assume that your client understands what you are going to be providing. And scope is important too because there's something called scope creep. <laughs> so let's say you're doing a fire show and you say that you're providing music and you say that you're providing your own sound system. Scope creep can be when somebody sees that in a proposal and says, oh good, we don't need a sound system for the event now because they're bringing one for the fire show. We can just use that for the after party, or we could use that for the announcements. Well, you might not be bringing a microphone and your sound system might only be for your specific iPad or CD player. <laughs> I'm at a loss of words. I'm just having fun. I'm like, hmm, what are the ways that we play music? It's been a while, but yeah, we used to play off our iPad a lot. But anyways, if your equipment is only for you, because maybe you want to pack up and leave after your performance, maybe you're able to do that with the event and not stay until 2 a.m. for the full dance party, spelling that out and being really clear, we provide the sound system for the show only. And then you can say things like, if you already have a sound system, we can use that one. However, our system is not ample for a full event sound system. We can recommend you to a rental company if you need a full sound system for your event or something like that. But you don't necessarily have to assume every single type of scope creep that may come up. You can just write the ones that might happen often. But basically scope creep is when people start to ask you to do things that you did not include in your pricing. You weren't expecting that. So if they ask you to come in for an extra day of rehearsals the day before the event, if you didn't quote that and you didn't plan for that financially, that's scope creep. So you can come back and ask for more money if they ask you to do things that you haven't outlined. I hope that's starting to make sense. 
But then the other part of this description of services is where you explain the benefits. I mentioned that before with grant writing, you always had to explain the benefits or the impact of what you're doing. And this is really where the magic comes in. If you've done the Circus Freelancer Gig Pay Guide, if you've done Win the Work, a lot of our courses, I talk about the benefits. And you can also think of the impact. You can think about the return on investment, the ROI for a client. But you know what you do is awesome. But the more that you can start to speak through your client size of, well, what is it going to do for them? What is it going to bring to their event? How is this going to touch and transform the people at the event? That's what matters. It doesn't matter how many splits you do. It doesn't matter how complex or how advanced your act is. It matters of what it brings to the event and what it brings to your client and how it makes the world a better place or the event a better place. So yes, your technique matters. Yes, the splits are awesome. All the things that you work so hard, I'm not downgrading those at all. I'm not devaluing those at all. Please understand. I'm just trying to say that the average person doesn't understand the value in that. So the more that you can learn to talk about what you do through the benefit of what it gives to others, what it brings to others, that's going to be huge in helping you create these winning proposals. So we've got your introduction, we've got your description of services, then we're going to get into the pricing. And I like to keep this third because if you do a good job on the first two parts, they may already be saying, okay, sign me up. <laughs> like, I know this is the person for me. I just got super excited. I don't care. Like, I want it, right? They are going to need to know the pricing because there's a lot of this, like, here's how the, much the budget is, and I've got to allocate funds on this category and that category. So they need the pricing. And I always advocate for doing the line item pricing because things move fast and event budgets are often a moving target. Sometimes a budget can change three times in a day with events or more. I want you to understand that. So the more that you can present your information in a way that helps your clients scale up and down, again, you're going to be more helpful for them. It's going to feel more transparency with your pricing. So they're not going to feel like you're overcharging if you can actually show them the elements. And it helps them get to know your pricing so that when they hire you again, <laughs> they can budget for you. So I want to talk more about this budget for a minute, though, because this is another area where I often hear entertainers say they're waiting for that budget before they can prepare a proposal. But honestly, just like sometimes somebody doesn't have an idea and you can help them by giving them ideas, sometimes they don't have a budget. Sometimes they have an overall number. They know, oh, OK, I have $50,000. I have $100,000 for this whole event but they don't know how much all the other vendors are going to cost yet. So they can't tell you, oh, I have $10,000 for entertainment. Well, now maybe if it's an event they've done over and over, but maybe they're trying a different type of entertainment. Maybe they had a live band last year and now they want a full circus show. Well, they don't know how much that costs. So they can't tell you how much their budget is. I mean, think of it. Let's say somebody tells you, okay, you have to create a dinner. And I'm going to give you $500 to create this dinner. You can't go to the meat department and tell them, okay, I need meat. And they'll say, how much do you want? And you don't know if you can afford a half a pound, a pound, three pounds, seven pounds yet until you start to price your other ingredients and say, well, what am I going to be making with the meat? What other ingredients do I need? Or wait, let, let's go back to vegetarian for a minute. 
maybe you're cooking with tofu. Anyways, <laughs> I'm really impressed at how, this is a total side note, I'm really impressed at how much vegetarian and vegan restaurants and options is like really prevalent in Gainesville. I used to think the West Coast was like super up on that, but like, I don't know, after living in Seattle, I feel more vegetarian and vegan options in Gainesville. Really interesting side note. Anyways, I, th I think it's cool. I'm a meat eater, but I understand it from an environmentally conscious point of view. I, I think I'm just starting to clue into how, anyways, that's a whole other topic, but <laughs> when I do eat meat, I try to buy local and from sustainable farms. I'm not sure if I'm going to cut this whole part out. Maybe I'm just going to leave it in there for some rando. But anyways, back to the idea that you have $500 to create this dinner. You maybe don't even know how many people you're serving yet. And you don't know, well, does this need to include in drinks? I'm just trying to say that if you expect your client to know exactly how much money they have for entertainment before you start a proposal, you may wait until they've figured out their whole entire other budget and they only have $1,000 left. So why not see if you can get in there early and show them, oh, that circus show that you wanted, that that whole stage show, well, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be $15,000. It's going to be $20,000. Get in early so then they'll know, oh, okay, then I'll base the rest of the budget around this. This will be the main course. So I really want you to find ways to be able to propose your work before you know that exact budget. Now, I always ask what the budget is in the beginning, and it's helpful to ask for a range, but I'm talking about when you've already asked and you can't get any solid numbers. Well, show them three options. Show them a low, middle, and high option. Again, it's that rough draft. It's that starting point to give them the raw clay with which to sculpt, <laughs> right? If you can't even give them the raw clay, then they're just going to go with what they know and start ordering tables and chairs and linens and, and menu items, you know? So I hope I'm explaining this part well. Well, okay. So here's a typical budgeting process. This might help. So like, let's say uh, an event planner has the overall budget. And mind you, an event planner will rarely share their overall budget. And even if they do, you have no idea of knowing what percentage of that is for you. So then they're going to go and collect pricing from all the vendors they want to include. Like I mentioned, that's like getting the prices for all the ingredients for the dinner that they have to make. Then they start plugging in the numbers from the vendors. And most likely at that point, they're going to be over budget. And so then they have to go back and make decisions on how much they can afford from each vendor to stay within the overall budget. And then it's about that, that revision process where they might go to lighting people and say, okay, this is great, but I don't think we need this many special effects. What is the basic lighting package that we can have? Boom, they get that revision back. So now they've got some more money. Okay, now we're going to take this money and go over to the entertainment because I really liked that LED act. I want to make sure we get that in there. So I hope I'm starting to paint the picture of how you fit into the bigger puzzle is if somebody is not sharing a budget, they're not trying to withhold information from you. So just think the earlier that you can get in, the more you can be allocated in the budget. So that's my little talk on budget. Don't wait for the budget. Give them the raw clay. <laughs> Give them a starting point. Show them some packages. Show them some options of how much you cost. Like I mentioned, I do like packages, but even within the packages, I always have line item. Now, I don't know the technical difference between line item and itemized. 
people ask you for an itemized budget. For me, itemized is like breaking out here's how much the makeup cost, here's how much the costume cost. Like I'm not doing that level. That would be itemized. I do what I call line item. Again, it's probably semantics, but line item means here's my hula hoop act. Now, in the hula hoop act price on the back end, I've worked out the costume, the makeup, the rehearsals, all of that in that price. That's a whole other topic. However, I am showing my client this hula hoop act. Here's the cost. I may be presenting a full show. So I'll have a total at the bottom of here's how much the show would cost, but I'm going to show them here's how much the hula hoop act cost. Here's how much the stage crew that I bring with me because I need people to move my props on and off stage or fly the aerial equipment in and out. Here's how much the stage crew costs. So I am breaking that out, but I'm not breaking out the price for each specific item. So semantics, but anyways, we're going to get into all of this topic of like how you do the pricing part. We have this upcoming workshop. I don't even know if I've mentioned it yet today, but it's all about proposals and contracts. And so that's why we're doing these podcasts to gear up for that workshop. It's November 11th. It's called Book Entertainment Like a Pro. The link for it is circusboss.com slash contract workshop, all one word, because it's proposals and contracts. So from the proposal standpoint, this concept of how do you present your pricing How do you talk about when are people performing? When are they taking a break? How are you accounting for rehearsals on site or rigging or load in times or or strike times? So that whole topic of pricing, um, I'm really glad somebody that signed up for the workshop had a question about how do you do that part of it? So we're actually adding a whole bonus lesson on just this topic because it is nuanced and I can show you the way that we did it and explain why we chose to do it the way that we did. There is no industry standard for this, so you have to find what works, and I'll talk about that in the workshop too. But anyways, we're doing a bonus lesson just on this topic within the workshop too. If you're curious, we go way more into depth on how to do proposal writing. We also give you examples of all the things I'm talking about in this podcast. We'll give you examples of what this looks like. And we also have templates for you if you sign up for the workshop. So that was my little plug for the workshop. I realized I hadn't mentioned it yet, but of course I'll have the link below in the show notes, but it's circusboss.com slash contract workshop. So anyways, back to what we were talking about. We were talking about the the pricing and I do the line item pricing because being the helpful entertainment provider that you are, now that I've told you a little bit about the process, you understand if you can have your line item pricing so they can know while they're in a meeting with their client or their committee, oh, if we cut the hula hoop act, how much would it cost? So they can cut it, right? Versus the hula hoop act price by itself is not known. It's just part of some larger package. Then they're going to have to be like, okay, now we got to go back and ask for a revision. And that will add more revision time for you too. So if you're getting a lot of revision requests, if you have some light item pricing, that's also one way to help save time on having to do a ton of revisions because there's transparency with your pricing. I like to have some example packages. We used to do three. You might do a la carte pricing for your services and then one package. It depends on how many things you offer. You don't want to overwhelm your client. So the amount of things that we offered as a company would be way too much to put into one sheet every time somebody asks for a proposal. So we chose to do three different packages, usually at three different price points to show them some examples. But the line item pricing was within these packages so they could see and get a feel 
of how to change them themselves. But the package concept is also great because it's your chance to show them how you craft the experience. You're the expert. You're the creative here. So if you're creating, what entertainment would you pick for this event based on what you know? Ultimately, they will most likely be the one that picks. But a lot of times, if you craft it really well from the beginning in the proposal, that ends up being what they book. The more years that we did this, the better we got at proposing the ideas. And so many of the time, they would just book it the way one of the packages that we had prepared. They would just say, oh, cool, we want to go with this one. And boom, that's it. So remember that too. Sometimes the proposal is the seedling of what the event will actually be. So make sure you're crafting an experience that you want to deliver and that you would be proud of producing and that you want to be a part of. Okay, so I feel like I went on a rant there, but that's the pricing section. Then we're into the process. So this is going to be our fourth section. This is where you're stating your requirements. This is where you're going to put your tech writers and a hospitality writer. You're also going to put any deadlines here. So if you are doing custom creations or custom acts or any type of act that requires rehearsal, I recommend having deadlines on these things because here's the reality. Someone may reach out to you right now for an event in 2022. And you're like, cool, we have tons of time. Let's go big. Let's come up with this awesome idea. And you come up with these really cool things with all these custom elements, custom costumes, custom acts and performances and shows. And it's like amazing. But before you know it, six months have passed. And now it's three weeks before the event. And they're like, okay, we're ready to book. (laughs) And you're like, whoa, that thing that I proposed six months ago, I could have done then. There's no way I can do this in two or three weeks time. Okay, so that's another lesson that we learned the hard way is if someone is reaching out way in advance and you know, okay, cool, I can use this as a chance to like make something big. I've got enough time for it. You've got to put deadlines on these things because they don't understand that this isn't something that's just sitting on a shelf. We always used to joke like, let's say event rentals is one of the vendors that are always going to be on events. Well, you go to their warehouse and they literally have all the cool items sitting on their shelf. So preparing for an event is pulling the things off the shelf and bringing them to the event and setting them up in a really cool way. Well, entertainment, we used to joke and say, well, we don't just have a hula hoop act person sitting on a shelf waiting for an event or waiting for a truck and we just load her on the truck and load him or her or them on the truck and send them to the event like that's not how it works but it's not your client's fault that they don't know that that's not how it works because that's how it works with a lot of the other vendors so you can't get upset when somebody asks for something that's unrealistic it's just because they don't know Because a photo booth can come and set up on a short notice. A DJ can set up on a short notice. Event linens and tables and chairs and so much of what happens in an event can happen on a shorter notice. The exception being I worked with an ice sculptor one time and he made a bar out of ice for an event we did. Well, that clearly had a process. So he had deadlines. He let me know how long it took to make this ice sculpture and I understood that because his proposal told me that. So with entertainment, it is your job to explain how this works, how long it takes and what your deadlines are. So be cautious and careful about presenting and pitching how much time it takes you to produce that idea. And understand the reality is that you can't always get that. 
Sometimes it's out of your hands. Sometimes it's out of your client's hands. It has to do with other factors. They can't make a decision when you need them to make that decision. So we used to have other options and say, okay, this custom show that we just pitched and got you excited about needs to be booked by this date to be feasible. If that's not feasible, if that doesn't work with your timeline, here are other options we can do with less time. So you're being helpful. You're acknowledging that, yes, if you want to do this cool big show, this is when it needs to be booked by. But if that's not realistic, if that doesn't work for you, here are other options. And have some things that almost are like ready to come off the shelf, right? Something that it doesn't take too much time because events, it's a fast-paced world. It is a fast-paced world. It is not like creating a show for a theater. It moves so fast. Some of the biggest shows, we just did a post last Friday. Internally, I called the post big shit. (laughs) But I think the post was about like, I've always had big visions. And that's why I started a company and not as a solo performer. Like when I close my eyes, I always see these big productions with a huge cast and in front of vast audiences. That's how my creativity works. It always has since I was a kid. I was like (laughs) producing shows in the neighborhood. But anyways, those shows... If you go and look at that post over on our Instagram, I don't think any of those shows had more than three months to prepare for. And they're all massive. So I just want to let you know the reality is that the events industry happens really fast. So I'm not saying you can't. Like I was in the proposal process for a lot of those maybe six months out, maybe nine months out. But from the time that they actually signed the contract and we got the 50% reservation fee, most of those, if not all of those, were three months or less. So I learned that's how things work so that I wasn't fighting that reality. I learned how to create rehearsal processes and casting processes and all the processes within my business, I both creatively and logistically, I learned how to make them more efficient so that I could respond to the reality of the events industry and do these big ass shows in a short amount of time because it's all about knowing what is and how it works and then well cool I'm gonna find my way to make it work within that so all of that to say that (laughs) I'm really all over the place today I hope you're enjoying this like tangential ride but this is all part of your process section where you get to explain your process and explain your deadlines. And timelines are important too. We, a lot of times, had our event timeline actually up in the pricing. So I would say the Hula Hoop Act is from 8 o'clock to 8.05 p.m. and here's the price. So we would always get an anchor of the event is from 5 to 10 p.m. and show them an example of this is the social hour entertainment, this is the main event entertainment, this is the dessert and dancing or after party, whatever you want to call it and show them the time so they understood, oh, I'm only purchasing, this Hula Hoop Act is only five minutes, and it's going to be at tentatively eight o'clock. Now, we didn't always have the exact event timeline, so sometimes we said, here's an example. This is an example event from 4 to 8 p.m., and just to start to show them, because, and I'll go into this a little bit more in that bonus lesson, but I really want people to understand when they're paying for something, exactly what they're getting. So they were getting that hula hoop act that is five minutes. 
And then that goes into their schedule too. So anyways, you can do it with a line item or you can have an addendum. Sometimes if there was so much entertainment, it was it was too crazy to try to show the overlapping if there were like five things happening at the same time. So sometimes we would do uh, a timeline later on in this process section. So however works for you, make sure you get some kind of event timeline in there. Again, think about your rigging and your load in and your strike rehearsals. All of that should be in there so people know that that's part of your process on event day. You need these things. And then also anything that you want to share about production timeline, if you've promised custom costumes and if they want to be a part of that process and see them. And I've even had clients request to come to rehearsals before. So the more that you can be clear of like what the process is, your production timeline, that it depends on how big the thing is. If it's a simple event, you don't need a full production timeline, but if you need it, that's where it would be. And then also in this process section, this is where you have your booking terms and your next steps. So I really like to say, be clear, confident, and firm with your terms. Last week, also on the Insta, there was a post, let's talk about getting paid. So you're setting up the expectation that you need to be paid 50% non-refundable booking fee or reservation fee before you start work, before you start purchasing custom items, before you start rehearsals, before you cast your performers, before you put it on your calendar and say no to other work, you need to receive that money in your bank account. Okay. And people will push you on this <laughs> and you've got to learn how to just be clear, confident, and firm with your terms. But Part of it is setting up that understanding and that expectation from the very beginning. So you can have it on your website and you will absolutely have it in your proposal. And we found ways to say this in different ways in multiple places in the proposal. This was a really firm one for us because I think I mentioned it in the post, but I'm going to say it here again. If you have a client that says, yes, cool, we're good to go. I'm going to hire you. We're going with everything you put in the proposal or package A, whatever don't start work. You cannot take somebody's word, even if they are a friend, even if this is, you know, a friend that's hiring you for their wedding. I've had people in this exact situation, they start working and then something happens and the friend is like, oh, I'm so sorry. They cut the budget on us or the food budget went up or the venue said we can't do fire performance or something that's out of your friend's hands. So you can't be mad at them but now you've just lost out. You've turned down other work. You've already bought a new costume. Okay. You don't start work until you have a signed contract and money in the bank, 50%. Even if it's a repeat client, we had clients we worked with for 10 years and they knew our policies. And every single time, if we had to remind them, we reminded them we could not start work until we had money in the bank because if you do start work before you get the signed contract and the money in the bank, you are gambling. You need to ask yourself, am I okay to do this work if I don't get paid for it? Now, ideally, the answer to that question is no, because this is a business, not a hobby. However, there might be some times it's worth the gamble for you. You want to develop this costume anyways, or have this act anyways, or I don't know. That's, that's up to you. And maybe we did it a few times ourselves. But the majority of the time you're running a business you need to have clear terms. And other vendors are the same way. Do you think a venue, if somebody's booking a venue for an event, do you think a venue is just going to hold the, the date for somebody just because somebody says, okay, yeah, we want to do our wedding here. And then other people start to contact them for that date. And they say, oh, no, you know, our friend is going to book 
this date for their wedding, so I can't take your money. <laughs> no, a venue is not going to block out their calendar until somebody pays them that money. They might have a time period of two weeks to do a tentative hold while you get your ducks in a row, or they might not. Other people are not starting on work if they don't have money or sign contract. I'm really on a soapbox today, and I thought I was just talking about proposals, but the reason I bring all this up is because the way to start setting this precedent is it has to be visible in your proposals. So just to recap, <laughs> I'm not going to recap any of the tangents that I went on, but the four elements of your winning proposal are going to be your introduction. And that's where you are showcasing your expertise and uh, that you understand your client's goals and that showing them why you're the one for this job, right? And then the description of services is where you're going to engage all the senses of your reader and bring that element of storytelling and multimedia to really show your creativity, showcase your creativity, okay? Then your pricing is where you really want to make it transparent and easy for your clients to scale up and down and to understand what's included with that pricing and through creating a few packages that create an experience. And then your process talks about the deadlines and your booking terms and your the production timeline or the event timeline, your tech writers, your hospitality writers. It's where you're stating your requirements. So those are the elements that you need to have in your proposal. If you want to learn more about how to do this all in a document that's not 100 pages by the end of the day, so clear, concise, but gets all of these elements in there, again, you can sign up now for our workshop. So if you want to be confident that you're pitching and contracting your work professionally, but you're not sure how others in the event industry do this, Book Entertainment Like a Pro walks you through the key elements that your proposals and contracts should include and also includes templates to customize and quickly put into action for your business. So you can check out more circusboss.com slash contract workshop on that. But I hope that you found today's talk useful and beneficial and helpful. I honestly covered a lot of topics I wasn't planning, but it's all related. It's all one big ecosystem of how to really create that captivating proposal and represent who you are and what you can do for people. And I'll just leave you with this that I really want you to remember, no matter if people are just asking how much does it cost or I really want to know what you do or I want to hire you, I want this one thing, that your proposal can be more than that. Your proposal is really a marketing and a sales document all in one and it's like auditioning. You really want to stand out, be memorable, show them why you're the right person for the job and get them excited. So... There's my talk on proposals. Thank you for joining us on this journey. We really love all of the love letters and messages that you send over on Instagram. We also love five shiny star reviews on iTunes if you want to drop a few kind words on why you love this podcast so that other people can understand what all the fuss is about and join us for this podcast too. You all are kicking ass out there. It's Halloween week. I imagine that you're going to be, most of you are probably really busy with gigs. So just remember to love thyself and <laughs> take care, get some sleep. And uh, we'll see you next week. We're talking about contracts, all about contracts. So keep being a circus boss.